Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we are going to talk about how companies that are 100, 200, 300 million in AR are hitting target again and again and again and again. Enjoy. You know it's been a while when you are we, don't are we live or are we not live? We're recording. We're recording, recording, recording. You never know. Well, no, no, that was what I was going to say. You know it's been a while since you've recorded when you don't know which way is left or right on your headphones. <laughs> Bart, what happened to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. The, was the release, the launch, was it that stressful? Where did all your beautiful hair go, Bart? The funny thing is you, you can't make fun of any other body parts than lack of hair. That's... Oh, and ageism. Ageism oh, is also true. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, what what's going to happen? How are you going to tear me down today? Tear you, you down? Yeah, I couldn't yeah, be more yeah, happy yeah, to yeah. have you back, Michael. Oh, no, likewise. Good to be back. Good to be back and uh, listening to the intro music again. Missed it. Missed being on air. Me too. It's uh, one of the better rituals I have. Let's go. So, today, we're going to talk about some pretty big companies. The yeah. uh, hundred million dollar plus, plus 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 yes. So, what we've kind of been discussing is everyone wants to hit revenue. Obviously, they want to hit that target, and they also want to have a big target. Mm. Especially considering what's happening now, it's a uh, pretty tough out there still. There's even more pressure to actually hit that target, and. We, or specifically you've talked with a bunch of companies, especially since I've been away for like two, <laughs> two to three months. You years. Know, taking, yeah, years. years. That's, that's what it feels like. You know, you've had lots of conversations, especially with some of the bigger, bigger, bigger companies yes. out there, logos that everyone yes. will know. And what I find super interesting is they're following a method or process that leads to them hitting and it's not really obvious. It's not, you know, the, yep. hey, growth hack, let's do PLG and yep. add a freemium or something like that. It's 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 not that intuitive. So to put this into perspective, I don't want to name the specific logos I talked to. Everyone listening here knows all of them. So let's just be very clear about that. Um, and the smallest organization is 200 million ARR plus, right? Mm. And the largest organization is, I think, in couple of billions uh, in in revenue <laughs> so these are IPO <laughs> not not this not this funny fluffy uh, valuation you know mm. thing mm. no no an actual revenue you know thing money coming to your bank account revenue you know that 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 kind of level and um yeah no I kind of had a, a bunch of chats with uh, a few of them and that's really talked mostly with and sometimes they're called VP of uh, Revenue Ops. Sometimes they're called go-to-market mm. uh, ops and so forth. And chatted obviously with them on how how are they hitting target all the time? You know how how is that even how is it even possible at that scale with so many different moving parts? Yeah. And um, and that's what we're going to chat about today, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And I mean, it's it's super critical, especially if you have IPO'd. It's going to cost you a lot of money to miss. And obviously, also, if you have an IPO, the same, because you need to go potentially and raise and, and so yep. forth. So it, it's super critical. I think everyone will agree this is something we want to do. And now, before we get into the solution, there's one thing we should get out of the way, mm -hmm. which is maybe you're not working at a you know billion-dollar company yet, and the things we're going to do is, is it going to work out for them? So that, that was actually one of the really interesting 
uh, findings and aha moments from that from those conversations, the methodology of how they're going about it, uh, very much, uh, very much something that everyone can copy and use. Uh, you will you obviously struggle to have a team of 10, 15 people only doing that, right? Mm. You need to find a way to scale it down and either do it do it with one person or a tool or something like that. Uh, but generally speaking, the 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 approach that they're taking in order to hit those targets, I think this is something that's applicably uh, applicable generally speaking. Mm. So we're a couple of minutes into the episode. Let's let's jump into what are they actually doing? How are their process and methods different yep. in order to hit revenue? No, exactly. Let's jump into it. So and I think really um, thinking about it, it's uh, you know no surprise. It does it does split into two major uh, approaches or you know steps one is really about generating a great plan to begin with mm. yeah? and uh, generally speaking the the way that they need to think about it simply because it's such you know those are really big organizations yeah they in, in step one they need to actually think about tam you know how much <laughs> How many more people are there that I can sell stuff to? I think this is lesser so a problem for you know some other folks listening here. I gotta say though, when uh, I was at uh, at Plan Day, we did hit some of the TAM problems uh, in local markets after a while. By the way, so the TAM is not just a uh, Google and Facebook. So I didn't talk to either mm. of those Google or Facebook problem. It's a it's you know it might hit you much much earlier than you think problem, right? Mm. Um, but usually, kind of the the TAM um, uh, lens to the problem usually is then augmented by uh, them doing some M and A and so forth, and then TAM expansion, all of that jazz. Don't want to go too much into this, but there is generally speaking a process that's being kicked off in June, mm, early June Jesus. June for next year. <laughs> so this is this is I think this is the one thing that people might not need to copy here necessarily, but obviously. When you have a thousand or five thousand or ten thousand employees, mm. you kind of need to start thinking about this fairly early on, especially with all the uh, you know in some cases when you're public with all the expectations that need to be built around this, right? Yeah. So you start this in in June, and um, basically what the teams are, and so is led by finance usually, kind of that kickoff, right? And they they're usually um, managing that in a in a funky way where they're basically not necessarily giving the bottom-up team, yeah? So finance has a top-down understanding, um, and then the bottom-up is built by revenue operations, go-to-market operations, these these folks in uh, almost every single case that I talk to. Mm. They're not giving them actually much guidelines sometimes, yeah? As in, in, in one case, there was basically like, you know, what, what do you think you could do, yeah. uh, dear, dear VP RevOps, Next year, yeah. Tell me about that. And in some other cases, there were some more uh, guardrails around it, where someone basically, hey, we want to grow thirty percent, fifty percent. How would you get there, right? Yeah. So there's a bit more of a guardrail kind of uh, approach around it. But usually, those guardrails are held extremely fluffy and extremely wide, uh, because what what basically you wanna you wanna achieve here is that you have two different teams, you know, finance and revenue operations. Going at the problem with two different approaches, yeah, they will obviously come to do two different results, but they will come to um, you know things will be found that the other team isn't finding, mm. which is kind of a kind of a funny uh, funny approach in this sense. So basically, what then happens, uh, revenue operations uh, does the straightforward bottom up model, right? They start okay, 
churn and upsell in all of those different regions. That makes total sense. We can, you know, model this out. We understand yeah. that. Then they take usually uh, what are the uh, existing revenue streams that are uh, stable, so to speak, right? Where you have a very clear path, uh, a historic data set of how it has been developing and how it's going to be growing uh, forward. You very clearly know what the inputs are in order to achieve that. Mm. And then you have uh, things that are a little bit less clear on the new business side um, that, you know, might be incorporating a new acquisition. And, and in bigger cases, it might be going into, you know, new markets, new segments, and so forth, right? What obviously drives a bunch of complexity in those organizations is that they don't only have the dimension of, you know, two or three different regions and uh, one or two channels. Yeah, They have all of that stuff plus different segments because yeah. they are already on SMB, mid-market and enterprise. Uh, they don't think in regions. They think in markets in terms of, you know, Germany and France and UK, not in EMEA. Uh, they think in terms of, um, especially when you're at that scale, you will not only have a single product approach, you will have a multi-product approach. And you will need to understand how all of these different products across those different regions, et, et cetera, yeah. how they're behaving and how they should be behaving, right? Mm. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of additional granularity necessary to build something out like that, that, you know, to some degree um, can be simplified for, uh, for, for smaller organizations. And in the case of, for example, multi-product, small organizations just have one product. It's kind of, it's kind of easier to yeah. figure this out, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of that stuff going on, figuring out how the whole revenue plan comes together and what the number is in the end. And then there's really the, uh, the moment of truth where those two models are being uh, brought together. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a Tinder swipe. Is there a match? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think again in this case, usually finance plays kind of the uh, the. I, I don't have a good dating app comparison. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I was I was trying to figure this out. No, but um, uh, finance kind of say, "Hey, show me your stuff first. Okay. Right? So that's yeah. kind of how it works out. Mm -hmm. And then there's a oh, oh, they think they can grow much more in that region over there. Mm. We didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a little yeah. bit of that approach happening, um, and then obviously the best of both worlds. Yeah. Is being taken forward, obviously, um, and and as in all cases, now there is a there's always a gap. Yeah, you know, finance always wants to be uh, bigger and faster and all of that stuff, and mm. and revenue operations much more tied to, well, there's this reality thing happening here, <laughs> and and we also will need to be uh, we will be held accountable for that number as well, right? So there's a bit more caution on on the side of revenue operations or uh, than than it is on the on the finance side. Finance mm. side usually feels in those conversations more connected to the board and the shareholders that yeah. basically always want more mm. periods uh, revenue operations is a bit more rooted in what what can actually be done yeah. and and that that rift really then comes to uh, comes to a head then you know when those two approaches are being compared and then there's a gap identified yeah. right? and that gap conversation in some cases someone said to me um uh, obviously, there's there will then be some assumptions around how things might behave versus not, right? So this very much assumption-driven approach of that conversion rate, mm. we assume that conversion rate magically will go up by a couple yeah. of points. And um, uh, and this one gentleman I talked to, he basically said like, well, at some point, um, we 
we uh, get to a point where we say we disagree but commit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> disagree and commit. Yeah. So I really like that. As it was actually for me, it was the first time hearing that. But basically, the two teams saying, "Yep, n- you know, you want this, and obviously finance you in the end. You will have the 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 the, the, the last say, so to speak. Mm. And we need to uh, somewhat agree with that assumption. Uh, we don't agree that it will happen like that. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you can't carry that. Uh, that that rift forward, you need to you know lock lock in and you know shake hands. Mm. That was one one specific piece mentioned, and then something else was um, which I find super interesting uh, is really this. Well, finance. If you want more here, mm. you need to give me more money here. Yeah, yeah, and really have this very logic based approach because I feel um, I do feel. Settling on an assumption, basically, again, like how a conversion rate might change. Let's just stay with that super simple argument. Yeah, it's the cheapest way to get out of that conflict when you think about it, yeah. right? Because there's um, uh, there's no hard data around that that will happen. There's they're the experts, revenue ops. They're those experts saying, well, we don't believe that's actually going to happen. Mm. Um, and for it to happen, you would need to invest something time of an existing team, new yeah. hires, something else, I don't know what, in order to actually get that assumption to to you know be fulfilled in the end. Um and and this other approach um is much more interesting because suddenly it costs something also for the finance side. Yeah. Right? If the finance side wants that assumption to be uh, achieved or if if they want to have more revenue or something like that, yeah. then basically Re- RevOps can say, "Yes, let's do that." Yeah. But I need X amount of budget in order to get to this point. Yeah. Right? And I think what is uh, really interesting is how you know how this is very much a data-driven bottom-up, yeah. you know, blah 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 approach to revenue planning, which obviously we from the Growblock side very much, uh, very much agree with. And it's being lived in those large organizations, um, and and really kind of that that um, rift between finance and the top-down pressure mm. uh, and revenue offs, the bottom-up piece. You know, we see that in 5 million euro companies and apparently now we're also seeing in 1 billion yeah, uh, yeah. euro dollar companies. I think what's pretty cool about the approach is because it's two very different views on how revenue is generated. We've, we've talked about this before, right? The financial plan won't tell you how you're going to get there, but it tells you other things. They will know things like how the cash flow you know, varies over time. And that might be a factor that needs to be accounted for in the plan. Yeah. And they might have certain efficiency metrics that you don't when you when you run and do the bottom up. Yeah. Right. So I think there is immense power as an organization in doing that is almost like a, you know, silent auction where you don't know what is being bid and then all the cards are put yeah. on the table. Yeah. And then that replanning uh to me seems incredibly powerful. Yeah. And so one one logo I talked to, uh, everyone here knows them as well. Um, they're currently a little bit in the news because they're going through a rough time, actually. Um, and I talked to a, a, a former go-to-market planner for them. Um, and, and what came out there was really that that organization has a very, very, very uh, top-down process only, very mm. little bottom-up. Um, Basically, you go from you know TAM and TAM expansions, aka acquisitions, uh, break that into the different uh, geo- geographies, and those geographies then get labeled territory, and then it's just a territory management for the AEs and AE manager to you know stack against that. What that approach is 
um, fully lacking, and that was also the conversation I had with with that gentleman, was uh, this really big question of, so how is all of that spreadsheet demand landing in AE's inboxes? Yeah. And how is that, act, you know, how is that step really happening? Uh, and he was like, yeah, that that was that was a big problem. <laughs> And and then you know that that company obviously is extremely extremely successful and has been riding that wave for for super long very mm. successfully, and I think they're stumbling a little bit into trouble right now. And I think uh, honestly, I mean, they don't need to take my word, uh, but I think uh, um, some of the planning approaches that some of these other really successful companies are doing, yeah, they also probably in terms of size, probably only 20 percent of that, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think would probably help them to to get out of this crisis right now. So I think the the first learning and takeaway for how they hit is really running a top down and bottom up, which which should be doable. You can figure out what scale you can do it at, depending on size of business. Yeah. And so so on. the the first the first step really is to um, f- build a solid 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 plan mm. while knowing, and that's mostly revenue operations, while knowing that regardless how solid the plan is, it's never actually going to happen like that. No. Yeah, And I think that's that's kind of pretty cool. And also from the perspective that Revenue Ops versus Finance has, yeah. Finance has this, well, now we're done with the budget. And especially in those companies, I mean, we're talking pre-IPO, IPO, you know, or even on the way back to private being privately held. Um, you know, those companies, um, they literally cannot change their budget. Mm. I mean, Theoretically, they can, right? But the uh, what happens to your stock price when you go out and basically, you know, the the, the yeah. term is lower guidance. Yeah, yeah. When you go out and say, ah, we said we're gonna do, I don't know how many hundreds of millions in revenue. Mm-hmm. It's actually gonna be a little less than that. That is that is usually a big problem. It's penalized a lot in the market, and also when you're pre-IPO and you have that happening around the time, you you basically. In some cases, you basically need to pause your, your IPO process, yeah. right? Um, so the budget cannot be touched. Whatever whatever is being uh, you know agreed upon later and happens really later, the budget cannot be touched, um, which really has this mentality of, to a degree, through that process, finance needs to kind of say, no, this will be the plan and that's exactly how everything will be going. Mm. Revenue operations very clearly is, uh, well, that's the best guest step at this, and that's how it probably will be going, right? Mm. Which then kind of leads us really to um, the you know the execution side or um, the observability side, almost revenue observability, kind of in that sense. But really, the the approach here is okay. We have first of January roll around. We uh, communicated this plan across the organization. We gave some people to you know participate. Mm. There were like varying levels of of degrees of how to how to build consensus around this. And then it's really execution time, right? Yeah. Planning done is done, budget is done, everything is done, now let's go. What usually happens is that Q1 basically goes according to plan. Yeah. More or less. Surprise. Yeah, <laughs> more or less, right? And and uh, the the reality is, uh, well, congratulations, you were able to look three months into the future. Yeah. Um, and, and no one is surprised about that. Q1 usually goes great. Um, what... Um, what what you know one specific team was doing or is doing uh, was basically you know Mick and I we talked a lot and Bart as well we talked a lot about MBRs and QBRs and so forth. Um, that particular team is basically doing weekly 
meine äh, 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 Weekly Business Reviews yeah. to the C-Level of that public company. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Every single week, uh, the you know VP operations persona uh, on a call with C-Level of a publicly traded organization. Yeah. And in that call, going through the main pieces of basically the, you know, the steering of the model mm. yeah? uh, and uh, giving a traffic light system on what's on track, what's not on track. And if if your corner of that organization lights up red, suddenly there's, you know, the... Uh, what is it? The the eye of Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> there's oh. suddenly a lot of attention on you. Yeah. And then there's like, well, okay, cool. How are you gonna get out of this? You know, what's the mm. problem? What's keeping you from it? And and so forth. Um, and tracking that, and obviously the discussion around that is kind of limited, and and probably that hour of yeah of a weekly call. Um, but but still, right? That's that's the level of steering going on, and. And if, you know, when you think about it, this is like a multiple thousands employees organization. When management, top management spends an hour on this per week, uh, first of all, it sends a message throughout the whole yeah. organization, number one. And number two, well, there's a bunch of people that need to prepare that stuff. And by preparing, they're like, uh-oh, yeah. my my traffic light is red. Yeah. <laughs> or, it's, yeah. or it's yellow. And you know, the dread already starts then. It's not yeah, when, yeah. when the report is being gone through and stuff. It's like, no, you know. I mean, we've been there. The pro move is to try and even preempt the meeting saying we know this is happening. here. But so actually, what I wanted to ask is what are they tracking? Are we talking only KPIs or is it also like bigger strategic initiatives? So it's, um, it didn't get into that okay. deep, deep level of detail, um, but number one, it's metrics and KPIs that basically make up the uh, backbone of the model and the plan. Yeah. Uh, in that case, it's, you know, different conversion rates, it's different, you know, product lines, how they're behaving, yeah. um, different regions, different segments and so forth. So I don't know the specifics no, on no. this. Um, and uh, uh, surrounding that, then also uh, some bigger strategic initiatives, right? Mm. Whether or not that might be uh, incorporating... Uh, a recently, you know, acquired company or something like that, right? Kind of those those things kind of happen there. Don't know to what detail, obviously. Though, no, no. Right? Um, and uh, and again, I think the, the 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 point here really is around the visibility that's being created, and then the accountability coming out of this yeah. uh, throughout the organization. So I think the point is really they have a, a a system to monitor progress. It's not just annual kickoff and then. Annual yeah. review. They they're intermediary steps that yes. needs to happen. We've talked about you said a QBRs and yes. BRs in the past. Really great tool to kind of have your hands on the steering wheel. Yeah, and if you will, right? What they're what they're discussing there, to degree, that's the that's the post mortem conversation that people that have only a QBR go through at the end of the quarter or after the quarter's ended. Yeah. Uh, but instead of making them post-mortem, they're basically having it immediately when it happens, Yeah. which then allows them to, uh-oh, uh, something is going, you know, from green to yellow. What's going on? Why is that happening? Mm. Uh, you know, basically a triage around it. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so this is now the action plan of how we want to uh, fix it. Mm. And potentially, you know, maybe we need to reshuffle some things, which yeah. is kind of the, the next piece here, actually. Once, once you see some of those deviations happening, right? Once you see the, the, the gap widen, um, and you know, this doesn't happen in Q1, it happens at some point later. Yeah. Uh, you basically get to the point where it's, you know, the, this, this 
this light has been red on the report now for a couple of months. Yeah. And then there's a bit of like, okay, I don't think this thing is going to go back to green anytime no. soon. Um, so what's the revenue impact of that thing? Yeah. That's X. Um, and how can we fix it? How can we still get to target, you know, despite this thing being red? And uh, then really the conversation is very much about um, potentially leveraging other pieces of the organization, yeah. um, or giving more or less budget, you know, moving things around. Again, within the confines of the budget, right? At the end of the day, no one will, no one will care if revenue number is being hit, but the way to get there, so the budget below has a bit of reshuffling yeah. and EBITDA, so profit is being hit. If if top line and bottom line are there, investors don't, I mean, I'm just saying this now, but investors don't really care how you got there in the end. No. Uh, for finance, is really important because every month they're being asked of, you know, why did this number deviate from the plan by how much percent? And mm. then you need to explain. But at the end of the day, um, as, as long as you're hitting those top and you know bottom line uh, parameters, I think everyone is happy. So really what then needs to go on in that slight replanning or readjustment is figuring out how you can shuffle those resources uh, in, in a better way potentially mm. to still hit that target, right? And I think this is some of the insane superpowers when you think about this approach, which very much is, well, you get early warning signs immediately, right? Something is turning yeah. yellow, you immediately jump on and fix it. And uh, uh, and if something kind of widens too much, you might need to do some recalibration. But in that case, you it's 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 not like, oh, we are behind on hiring, let's hire more. Uh, because you know what the revenue impact is, I don't know, five million, you basically uh, now can go out into the whole organization and figure out how can we find five million. Yeah, And it doesn't need to be one initiative. It could be 10 initiatives that in total give you five. Uh, but really having that approach um, basically ensures those companies um, that they will hit this, I mean, yeah. within one or two points uh, you know, margin, will hit that revenue target in the end, right? So the planning piece is all good and dandy and fine. And I think RevOps has a lot to um, contribute there, especially from a finance perspective, to make this even a realistic plan. The, the magic comes from one, you then have that somewhat realistic plan. It's still not perfect. The magic comes from tracking it extremely closely, seeing early warning signs when something is slightly veering off course, mm -hmm. catching it immediately with a person responsible or the team responsible, um, and then having the ability to basically fix the issue. And we're talking about conversion rates in a funnel yeah. to fix the issue before it actually you know, materializes in the revenue number, right? Yeah. And if you think about this, and I think this is something that you know people should be taking away here, and when you think about having a, a quarterly review cadence, um, the things that pop up throughout the quarter, um, you basically will be too late mm. in fixing them yeah. after, after that thing happens, right? So if you have a three-month sales cycle, let's just say something like that, um, you could actually see the early warning signs appear in month one or month two of that QBR of that quarter. You can now start immediately when that happens, uh, you know, course correcting, fixing, mm. um, or you know, if if you can't fix the issue at hand, you can come up with another thing that maybe could close the gap, um, and then you know, getting close to the original revenue number instead of not fixing it, not seeing yeah. it in many cases. By the way, that's really the big problem: not seeing it. Then walking out of the quarter being, ah, we missed, why did we miss? And uh, we could probably have 
you know, fixed that if he had known about it, you know. Yeah. And I think this is what those organizations are much stronger at yeah. uh, compared to to other teams. Uh, um, basically, kind of uh, having that having that insight, having that um, uh, having that ability to then you know move around tactics and, and tackle this immediately. I mean, we it's kind of clear you need to have that system in place to monitor progress in order to get to get there, right? To have that time on your side and become agile. We kind of joked about it uh, a bit the other day. You have a, you know, whatever, sales manager behind track asks the RevOps person, can you help me figure out what's happening? Yeah. You know, two, three weeks later, then there's already a decision made when the report arrives. It's too late. Yeah. No, and, it's so, I mean, that example is really about how currently many teams are operationalizing this. Yeah. It's like a, a, a sales manager or VP is like a gut feel. I've been there myself, <laughs> yeah, by the yeah. way. Have a gut feel. Hey, you know, can you check this out? Is an ad hoc report for that specific thing, um, and then you know, two weeks later, because it, those reports they do take some time, and it's yeah. not like RevOps doesn't have anything else to do at the moment. Um, they come back and either say, you know, usually they say, nope, it's not it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. And, and then and then okay, let's yeah. do another gut feel. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and the other approach is very much well. There's. The, the triaging, the, the diagnosing, you know, the, the, the seeing of symptoms and treating of the disease, yeah. that really happens immediately. So you save all of that wasted time uh, and to, to basically kind of course correct yeah. and then not see that impact hit revenue, right? Mm. And it's, it's so funny how time sensitive some of these things are. Oh, yeah. The longer you wait, the larger your gap basically will be on the revenue side. Yeah. So I think we should... Maybe just try and wrap everything up together mm -hmm. here. Uh, we've been through a couple of things. So the whole planning element. Yeah. So I think number one, again, those are uh, companies in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, they're very good at hitting those targets. It's insane. Um, and uh, I think the methodology that they're using can be used from very small beginnings. Yeah. Uh, that's that's basically how I see it. Um, there's, a, there's a very clear uh, finance revenue ops a relationship in the in the planning process and this is really about creating a best possible you know most realistic plan mm. um and then there is a instrumented system that is in place in order to alert you uh, on hey these things are going off mm. uh, you need to fix it right now right and i think this is where revenue operations plays a huge role yeah. in instrumenting that and making sure that uh, commercial uh, leaders and decision makers can actually react to that super quickly mm. so i hope there's going to be a lot of work happening to instrument some of this stuff yeah and hopefully i mean it's the plan is already done if we're being honest for most companies unless you're you know Years push yeah, or whatever. Yeah, fuck the plan. I but, think I think that's usually kind of over now. Yeah, it's um, replanning. Re yes, being able to monitor and get some alerts if things start sliding. Yeah, I think if people are listening to this and a bit antsy now, number one, <laughs> uh, one thing you might have screwed up already is that finance was leading that planning process by themselves. So basically, the plan is so unrealistic. It's not about the eventual revenue number. It's about how you kind of get there. It's yeah. so unrealistic. That basically uh, all your all your measurements are red right now. Yeah. So that means you would probably kind of need to do a replan on this. Uh, but the other side of the coin is really okay. Whatever has been planned, uh, you know, where are we on track? Where aren't we? And I think some of those conversations, um, you know, should happen monthly. Yeah. Um, but I think also some of those conversations should happen once the trigger, you know, uh, uh, you know.
what is once once that happens, yeah. right? Once once <laughs> once something veers off course, and then yeah. it should basically alert you and say like, boom. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, so obviously, what was really cool for me as a founder, talking to all of those folks, it's like, yep, the way you guys are doing it, we're building it. Oh, stitching in a small pitch there. I think we can leave it at that. that we, small <laughs> well, if you listen to this entire episode and listen to this, you can go and check us out, robots.com. We can help with some of that stuff. We can probably help with some of Wonderful. <laughs> Good to Mikkel, see we're still in so sync. nice to have you back. Good to see we're still in sync. Haven't forgotten how this works. I was a bit, you know, do I know how to set this up still? And you clearly didn't. I, no, no, I didn't have to get far. Wonderful. The substitute. Thank Thanks, you, Tony. Thanks, Thanks for everyone. listening. Bye. Bye.